dialogue thirteen of dialogues of the dead this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. dialogues of the dead by george littleton dialogue thirteen virgil read by caroline horace read by recording person mercury read by sonia Gallagher the elder read by larry wilson my dear horace your company is my greatest delight even in the elysian fields no wonder it was so when we lived together in rome never had man so genteel so agreeable so easy a wit or a temper so pliant to the inclination of others in the intercourse of society and then such integrity such fidelity such generosity in your nature a soul so free from all envy so benevolent so sincere so placable in its anger so warm and constant in its affections you were as necessary to mecenas as he to augustus your conversation sweetened to him all the cares of his ministry your gaiety cheered his drooping spirits and your counsels assisted him when he wanted advice for you were capable my dear horace of counselling statesmen your sagacity your discretion your secrecy your clear judgment in all affairs recommended you to the confidence not of mecenas alone but of augustus himself which you nobly made use of to serve your old friends of the republican party and to confirm both the minister and the prince in their love of mild and moderate measures yet with a severe restraint of licentiousness the most dangerous enemy to the whole commonwealth under any form of government to be so praised by virgil who put me in elsium while i was alive but i know your modesty will not suffer me in return for these encomiums to speak of your character supposing it is perfect as your poems you would think as you did of them that it wanted correction don't talk of my modesty how much greater was yours when you disclaimed the name of a poet you whose odes are so noble so harmonious so sublime i felt myself too inferior to the dignity of that name i think you did like augustus when he refused to accept the title of king but kept all the power with which it was ever attended even in your epistles and satires where the poet was concealed as much as he could be you may properly be compared to a prince in disguise or in his hours of familiarity with his intimate friends the pomp and majesty were let drop but the greatness remained well i will not contradict you and to say the truth i should do it with no very good grace because in some of my odes i have not spoken so modestly of my own poetry as in my epistles but to make you know your pre-eminence over me and all writers of latin verse i will carry you to quintilian the best of all roman critics who will tell you in what rank you ought to be placed i fear his judgment of me was biased by your commendation but who is this shade that mercury is conducting i never saw one that stalked so with so much pride or had such ridiculous arrogance expressed in his looks 
they come towards us hail mercury what is the stranger with you his name is julius caesar scaliger and he is by profession a critic julius caesar scaliger he was i presume a dictator in criticism yes and he has exercised his sovereign power over you i will not presume to oppose it i have enough of following brutus at philippi talk to him a little he'll amuse you i brought him to you on purpose virgil do you accost him i can't do it with proper gravity i shall laugh in his face sir may i ask for what reason you cast your eyes so superciliously upon horace and me i don't remember that augustus ever looked down upon us with such an air of superiority when we were his subjects he was only a sovereign over your bodies and owed his power to violence and usurpation but i have from nature an absolute dominion over the wit of all authors who are subjected to me as the greatest of critics or hypercritics your jurisdiction great sir is very extensive and what judgments have you been pleased to pass upon us is it possible you should be ignorant of my decrees i have placed you virgil above homer whom i have shown to be hold sir no blasphemy against my master but what have you said of me i have said that i had rather have written the little dialogue between you and lydia than have been made king of aragon if we were in the other world you should give me the kingdom and take both the ode and the lady in return but did you always pronounce so favourably for us send for my works and read them mercury will bring them to you with the first learned ghost that arrives here from europe there is instruction for you in them i tell you of your faults but it was my whim to commend that little ode and i never do things by halves when i give praise i give it liberally to show my royal bounty but i generally blame to exert all the vigour of my censorian power and keep my subjects in awe you did not confine your sovereignty to poets you exercised it no doubt over all other writers i was a poet a philosopher a statesman an orator and historian a divine without doing the drudgery of any of these but only censuring those who did and showing thereby the superiority of my genius over them all a short way indeed to universal fame and i suppose you are very peremptory in your decisions preemptory i if any man dared to contradict my opinions i called him a dunce a rascal a villain and frightened him out of his wits but what said others to this method of disputation they generally believed me because of the confidence of my assertions and thought i could not be so insolent or so angry if i was not absolutely sure of being in the right besides in my controversies i had a great help from the language in which i wrote for one can scold and call names with a much better grace in latin than in french or any tame modern tongue have i not heard that you pretended to derive your descent from the princes of verona pretended do you presume to deny it not i indeed genealogy is not my science if you should claim to descend in a direct line from king midas i would not dispute it i wonder scalinger that you stooped to so low an ambition was it not greater to reign over all mount parnassus than over a petty state in italy you say well 
i was too condescending to the prejudices of vulgar opinion the ignorant multitude imagined that a prince is a greater man than a critic their folly made me desire to claim kindred with the scalus of verona pray mercury how do you intend to dispose of this august person you can't think it proper to let him remain with us he must be placed with the demigods he must go to olympus be not afraid he shall not trouble you long i brought him hither to divert you with the sight of an animal you never had seen and myself with your surprise he is the chief of all the modern critics the most renowned captain of that numerous and dreadful band whatever you may think of him i can seriously assure you that before he went mad he had good parts and great learning but i will now explain to you the original cause of the absurdities he has uttered his mind was formed in such a manner that like some perspective glasses it either diminished or magnified all objects too much but above all others it magnified the good man to himself this made him so proud that it turned his brain now i have had my sport with him i think it will be charity to restore him to his senses or rather to bestow what nature denied him a sound judgment come hither scaliger by this touch of my caduceus i give thee power to see things as they are and among others thyself look gentlemen how his countenance is fallen in a moment hear what he says he is talking to himself bless me with what persons have i been discoursing with virgil and horace how could i venture to open my lips in their presence good mercury i beseech you let me retire from a company for which i am very unfit let me go and hide my head in the deepest shade of that grove which i see in the valley after i have performed a penance there i will crawl on my knees to the feet of those illustrious shades and beg them to see me burn my impertinent books of criticism in the fiery billows of phlegathon with my own hands they will both receive thee into favour this mortification of truly knowing thyself is a sufficient atonement for thy former presumption End of Dialogue 13